it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. I like to give my wife a hard time saying it shrunk in the wash, but really it just kind of, I outgrew it. Uh, <laughs> not not vertically, more horizontally. So mm. it's one of the many t-shirts I handed out to my daughter who was 14. So she, I mean, she has a slew of incredible t-shirts for a 14 year old girl. And, and this is one of them. And for my birthday this past summer as a kind of a gag, they got me a replacement. So we've, we've been twinning a couple of days. I, I got a kick out of it. She hated it because She's 14, and everything I do horrifies her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, I, I get it, dude. I'm, I'm totally living the "you're not cool anymore" life. You know, it's like that meme where oh yeah, how I how I view myself, and it's a picture yep. of the Fonz, and then right next to it, it's like how my kids view me, and it's the Fonz, and how he's super old. And yeah, it's, it's like Henry that. Henry Winkler from The Water Boy. The uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild having a teenage daughter. You end up apologizing a lot for things that you never thought you would apologize for like you know asking and also too, that you don't feel sorry for yeah like asking too many questions or taking too much of an interest or breathing or like you name it <sighs> all fun times man but mm-hmm. all that aside you know they they can just figure it out on saturdays here soon because man a couple of weeks and we're going to be back in the mix Watching and betting on and engaging in degenerate behavior with regard to college football. And man, finally, we get to talk about some fucking big boy football, man. SEC West. Let's go. Let's. <laughs> I'm pumped, man. I'm, I can't wait. I, like, this is the first episode that we've done where I'm like legitimately excited to do it and talk about it. And not just because Alabama's in it. I mean, I've made it clear. I didn't, I don't even want to cover them. I'm going to leave that to you and I'll make my judgment after, but just to get back into sec football, man, it's just, it's different. And you know, like they say, it just means more. It does. That, that's, that's very true. <laughs> Ask any Oklahoma yes. fan. They'll tell you. Oh yeah, or Texas fan for that matter. They they can uh, enjoy it with us next season. <sighs> but I digress. So we're gonna continue our preview season here, win totals, and we're gonna do SEC West today because. And next week, Eric, I thought maybe we could just take the week off and just say Georgia's gonna go undefeated and call it a week. Well, I mean, we could, but there's a couple other interests. <laughs> like I think Kentucky and South Carolina are interesting. Tennessee, I think, will be a good team, but I think they're worth talking about. I want to bring up Florida just so I can talk about their schedule. Uh, what a nightmare that is, but we'll we'll get to that <laughs> next week. 
<laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's not good. I looked at that today. I was like, ooh, oh, oh man, not good. It's but uh, we'll get yeah, we'll get to all that. But uh before we do, let's go ahead and jump into the SEC West win totals here. And just again, disclaimer, if this is your first time listening to the show, we get all these uh, win totals from FanDuel. So they may be a half a game, game different, whatever. Don't come at us. We yeah, get it. Or, or even slightly different odds, right? Might, you know, plus 120 versus, you know, plus 140 or whatever. Yeah, right. Shop around is the point. Yeah, which is why we're not going to get into the plus or minus whatever to yeah. be over or under because it just depends on what book you use. We don't get sponsored by a sports book on the show. So we're not going to pump up DraftKings or Caesars or FanDuel or whoever. You know, it's just. This is a general win total, and we'll go from there. So, uh, Eric, I'm going to come to you first. <sighs> Man, I know you've been waiting all off season to talk about this team, and honestly, I've been waiting all off season to get your take. And when you made this list, I was hoping that you covered this team because I, I just, I can't wait to hear what you have to I say. I know who we're talking about. About Texas A&M. We are yeah. Jimbo Fisher and the Bobby Petrino combination of chemicals that resembles uh, what i would consider the ingredients to make an atom bomb you know could i mean the potential is there right a lot of a lot of potential energy in that yeah Um, so seven and a half coming mm -hmm. into this year massively disappointing last year we were all on the over we all picked them to win nine games or better Timmy Cadman is top five coming into the season they lose to appalachian state among others so jimbo finally we think is going to give over the reins to Bobby Petrino. Uh, what am I, I looking at? I think, yeah, I think he is. I, they haven't been real Hope. clear on roles and responsibilities, but uh, you talked about the disappointing year last year, five and seven, six of those losses, they scored 24 points or fewer and really masked kind of what was a really good defense, especially considering how often they were on, you know, how much time they spent on the field. So, so they finished with a 22.8 points per game average, and this is about the time we hear uh, hear something from Coach Mora. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. <laughs> yep. So hire a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. I'm not going to spend the whole episode going into his colored past because it is extensive. We don't have that kind of time. So uh, they're bringing a lot of guys back, a lot of guys with talent, even though they didn't really capitalize on it last year. Connor Weigman started uh, four or five games last year. He's going to be taking the snaps. They bring back five of the top six receivers. Uh, The Stewart kid is really good. They bring back the entire offensive line, which obviously I like. And even though they lost uh, Devin A. Chain at running back, they're still pretty deep there. They got they might rotate between you know three, four, or five guys until they kind of figure out who the lead dog is in that group. But offensively, I think they will be better. But you know that's all kind of based on potential. And even Petrino himself has had kind of a mixed bag. You look at his last year at Louisville; they were they were terrible. But again, defensively, I think they're going to be really good. They bring a lot of guys back on defense and like six of the top seven tacklers from last year, they're back. Uh, the secondary, I think, is going to be really good. The three starters at linebacker. The only thing defensively that kind of gives me a little bit of pause is that, you know, they had 19 sacks last year total on the season. And you, you know, where's the pass rush going to come from? Because you can't, 
in this conference and specifically in this division, you can't let guys just sit back there and survey the field. Like you got to get after them. So they do need to be better at that. Yeah. Especially given last year when they brought in what eight, five-star defensive linemen and about five of them are gone via the transfer portal. Yeah. So and they've, they've were, had a lot of high on the defensive line last year and it proved to be monumentally disappointing. Well, the defensive line was okay. Uh, they were pretty good against the run. But again, like you said, a lot of roster churn, a lot of those guys left. Some of them didn't play. So frankly, wouldn't be missed all that much. But And then they brought some transfers in. They worked the portal just like everybody else. But schedule-wise, uh, Alabama comes to town on October 7th. Texas A&M, I think, should be 4-1 and one at least by then. Uh, so they get Alabama, and then they go to Tennessee, and then the bye week. Alabama and Tennessee back-to-back, I think the bye is going to be awfully welcome. But then they get three conference games that I think are winnable. They play a FCS opponent in, in week 12, and then they uh, close out at LSU. So between the Auburn, Old Miss, South Carolina games, if they can get two of those, then they'll get to eight wins, and I think they will. Another eight and four season is not going to placate anybody there. It's not going to paint Jimbo Fisher in any better of a light than he, you know, is already painted in. You know, the boosters won't love it, but I think they do get to eight wins. So, and I would tell you if they, if those two knuckleheads can actually get along and, you know, not be dysfunctional and get something out of all the talent on this roster, because even with all the guys that left, it's still a very talented roster. This is a team that could upset here, upset there, and then really be in the race for the West towards the end of the season. So I reluctantly am taking the over because even though I've been disappointed by them, I think two years in a row now, um, there's just, there's talent there. And I think kind of divorcing themselves from the offense that Jimbo has been running the last two seasons, that was not all that effective. You know, maybe a breath of fresh air might do them some good. And I think they can get to eight wins. Hmm. I'll tell you, I went back and forth on this team quite a bit. I, I still have not really made up my mind. Bottom line, for the purpose of this podcast, I would not bet this with my money because I don't know how the Petrino and Jimbo dynamic is going to work. And I don't trust throwing money at that in either direction until I know what the roles and responsibilities are. If Petrino is calling all the plays and Jimbo has no play calling involved, I do think the offense gets better. I think their defense will be pretty good anyway. I mean, they've got 20 starters coming back to this team overall, Mm -hmm. so it's not like they're going to be lacking in experience. So it really just comes down to, are they going to buy in for me? Do they buy into the new offense? Do they buy into Jimbo still with all the turmoil last year? I wouldn't bet it. I would lean to the under here just until I know what this is going to look like. I mean, I, I don't have a ton of conviction either way. It would not shock me to see them win eight or nine games based on their talent and experience and the coaching upgrade, but I got to see it first. I'm just not comfortable enough to take an over until I see it. How much of that is centered on the uh, personalities involved in the Jimbo Petrino dynamic? Like if, if they had hired if they'd hired Tommy Reese and Jimbo at the introductory press conference said, Tommy Reese is going to be installing the offense and calling the place period. End of discussion. Like, would that give you a little, you know, make you feel a little better about them getting to eight or nine wins No, in, in their current I situation? Uh, no, but I, I don't care if they hire Lane Kiffin as their <laughs> offensive coordinator. I, I don't trust Jimbo Fisher to let go of the reins, I guess mm. is bottom line, what it boils down to. So until I see him actually let go of the reins, and make the change and let Petrino or whoever run the offense, I'm not going to bet on it. 
that's just that's the bottom line for me. I think Jimbo is a little bit hard headed, and that's okay. I'm not saying he's a bad football coach. I think he's an excellent football coach. But until he lets go of the reins, that's I'm I'm just not going to bet that he will. So that's Fair ultimately enough. where I'm at. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a reasonable take. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't have a ton of conviction on it. If you're an, a Texas A&M fan and you want to bet on it, I say salute, go ahead. But for me, I'm just a little bit too cautious given the schedule. I mean, especially uh, say it doesn't work out and say the offense is just marginally better, say 29 points a game. Okay. Like that's a significant improvement, right? That's a, yeah, touchdown. That's a full touchdown. Yeah. So say they improve a full touchdown. You've still got road trips at Tennessee, at Ole Miss, at LSU, Bama at home, Auburn's a toss up. Because Hugh Freeze, God knows, we don't know what that's going to look like. Arky is going to be tough. Again, KJ Jefferson. I mean, at Miami, I expect him to win, but I don't know what Miami is going to look like in year two under Cristobal. So we'll see. It's just there. And then at LSU, I got that penciled in as a loss. I don't think they can beat them in Death Valley. So it's just one of those things, man. There's too many toss-up games for me to comfortably bet it until I see what the offense actually looks like under Petrino. So. Mm. Fair. But moving forward, let's talk about a team that, man, I do need to to point out here, uh, as always, it's always a sad moment for us to bring up uh, Mississippi State in any way, pretty much, because we loved Mike Leach uh, so very much on this podcast. Rest in peace to him. Always thinking about him and his family. Dude's a legend. So Mississippi State, great season for them last year. Played hard in the bowl game. You know, won nine games, had a great year. Like we've said before, Eric, kind of unfortunate that um, Coach Leach was, you know, passed away because he, things were really looking up. And they were, yeah. You know, I, I was definitely excited to see what they were going to bring with Will Rogers coming back and all that. And so now their defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett's taking over. And uh, apparently they're changing the whole offensive scheme. So yeah. what am I looking at here with six and a half wins? Because I got to be honest. I'm not that optimistic based on the schedule that I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm not either. And this is kind of a battle between my heart and my head because uh, I would love to see them go like nine and three. If you kind of you know take out uh, my fondness for Mike Leach and, and what he did there and look at the football team that is going to be taking the field in the fall, this is a team with some question marks and it really looks like they might struggle. Um, they don't bring a ton of guys back. The getting rid of the air raid and now they're going to be a little more kind of downhill between the tackles run based team. Uh, they hired the offensive coordinator from app state and it kind of feels like they're going to waste one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Uh, you know, he threw for almost 4,000 yards last year, 35 touchdowns and they've got four of their top six receivers back. So it's unclear how much action those guys are going to get, but they do bring four offensive line starters back, which is good. And they added a bunch of depth at running back. Jaquavius Marks, Kavon Lee, Jeffrey Pittman, all those guys are going to get touches. So they're going to be run heavy, apparently. The defense got better last year, which is the third straight year. They improved. They bring back four guys, which is two linebackers, one guy up front, and then one in the secondary. And again, they worked the portal and brought in a bunch of guys, but up front, Depth-wise, I still don't think they look great. Uh, none of the transfers they brought in in the secondary were starters at, at their old schools. So it's not like you're bringing in a bunch of experienced guys. So there's definitely some question marks on the defense. And the schedule, like you said, not great. They, they get LSU and Alabama at home, but 
like those teams are still better than you, no matter where you play. They get four road games in in SEC play, which is South Carolina, A and M, Auburn, and I think Arkansas. Like none of those are gimmies. Obviously, they no. do get the Egg Bowl at home. The non conference schedule looks fine. So similar to your your take on A and M, with you want to see it first and what's it going to look like before you really buy in. That's kind of where I'm at with their new offenses and all of these new faces on the defense. Uh, I'm just it's not a, a leap I'm willing to make. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under, but I wouldn't mind being wrong. Yeah, I'm with you. Kind of the same thing. I, I hate to the way it all went down and all that. But yeah, moving forward, just looking at the football team straight up objectively, I don't I, I don't see them matching last year's win total. And frankly I don't see them getting very close to it. I, I'm not gonna say they can't get to a bowl game. Because they do, you know, most of their tough games are at home, like at least like LSU's at home. That's mm-hmm. obviously we think that's going to be a loss, but, right. you know, Alabama's at home, same kind of thing. But they do get Kentucky at home, Old Miss at home, Southern Miss. I mean, I, I think they can maybe get to a bowl game here, but I'm not willing to take over six and a half. I'm just not. But I probably am willing to take an over on this team, but you know, I don't want to put the Homer glasses on just yet. I want to hear what you have to say. Talk to me about the tide, man. Talk to me about Bama 10 and a half. I mean, 10 and a half to bet on 11 wins with Nick Saban, typically not a bad bet, but the schedule doesn't really do him any favors. So what am I looking at? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit all the highlights here and I'm going to eventually circle around to a choice that might not jive with everything you hear leading up to it. But uh, offensively, they are bringing back their top two receivers, Burton and I think Brooks and Isaiah Bond was a guy that Chase Goodbread uh, pointed out to us who, you know, potentially could be a big contributor this year. He was a true freshman last season and uh, Jason McClellan at running back, he's going to start off getting most of the carries. Uh, they got a freshman who looks like he was built in a lab that uh, <laughs> may actually get some playing time as well. He doesn't look like he's any sort of fun to tackle. Yeah, Justice Haynes. Haynes, that's a yeah, a kid from uh, Buford, right? Yeah, he's a yeah Georgia kid. Yeah, yep. big big time uh, freakish animal looking type dude. So yeah, he stays healthy. I don't see any reason why he's not a monster I, if they. Yeah, I think he'll probably see the field if I had to bet. Yeah, but I would think so. Up front, they they only bring back two starters, but the replacements are plenty talented, and they're guys who have been going against Alabama's defensive line in practice every single day for however many years they've been there. So I, up front on offense, I never really worry about Alabama. Defensively, the the starters, five starters, uh, Dallas Turner, uh, everyone's going to know him. Kool-Aid McKinstry, he'll be an All-American and probably a first-rounder. You get some guys who are maybe were contributors in the past and are going to be more main role guys like Chris Braswell or Deontay Lawson because they did lose a lot of guys on the defense, like most of the secondary, seven of their top eight tacklers. And then we'll get to the elephant in the room, which is the uncertainty at the quarterback position. And it's hard because it's it's different from some of the other teams we've talked about or will talk about, right? So like comparing it to uh, how's, how's Kyle McCord going to look at Ohio State or how's Carson Beck going to do at Georgia, right? First time starter. This is different, right? Even if it was still a quarterback battle between Milrow, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson that they're going to keep competing through fall camp like that even would be one thing but to have those two guys go through the whole spring and then go searching for someone else to add to it really adds like an element of confusion and uncertainty that i'm not sure i'm comfortable with 
it doesn't seem like a really good spot. Like going after a quarterback after spring practice tells me that you didn't like what you saw from the other two guys. So, you know, don't feel great about that. Schedule wise, not a cakewalk. They got their share of tough games. They get they get the toughest ones, I think, on their schedule at home, which is Texas, Tennessee, LSU, and Ole Miss. Their toughest road games are probably AM and then obviously the Iron Bowl. Records be damned. That one's gonna be a, a fight. And can it get through all that with only one loss? Everything I've said so far probably makes it sound like I'm gonna say no. And it is a tough sell, but I am going to say over because the last time that Nick Saban looked like he was rebuilding after a bunch of dudes left to go get drafted in the first round. And they brought in all these new guys who hadn't played much before. Right. They, they took a lead into the fourth quarter of the national championship game. Yeah. So really this is less about the guys in the uniform with a number on the side of the helmet and more about what Nick Saban is going to get out of this team. So it's a bet on the goat, but I'm going to, I'm going to say they go 11 and one and get to Atlanta over. This was actually tougher than for me than I thought it was going to be. When I when I looked at the schedule and I went down and I looked at all the talent and what they lost and what they've got coming back, ultimately I did land on an over because I'm just not willing to bet on Nick Saban losing <laughs> more than one game. I it's pretty common that he win that he loses a game. Like we sure. said, we've he's only ever had two undefeated seasons ever. So if this total was a hard eleven or 11 and a half, I would probably take the under, but for me, if it's just 10 and a half, I'm, I just, it's hard for me to see them losing two games when their toughest road games are Texas A&M and Auburn. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel great about either one of those teams being on par with Alabama this year. And the quarterback battle, speaking about that really quick, my my money has been on Jalen Milrow the entire offseason. That's still where my money would be. I think he's a weapon that they need to utilize. And if to those naysayers who say he's not a great passer, he can't throw the ball. I've talked about this before with you and on the show, Eric. I mean, Jalen Hurts was never a great passer in college, and now he's one of the highest paid dudes in the NFL. So can be done if you utilize the guy right. So I'm interested. I'm. This is one of the more exciting preseasons for me with Alabama in recent memory because there are so many questions. Mm-hmm. Like it, as an Alabama fan or a Clemson fan or an Ohio State fan, you just kind of get – or like take yourself a Florida State. If you're a Florida State fan in the 90s, you just expect to go undefeated every year, no matter who's there. But with some of the hiccups they've had the last couple of seasons and then all the talent that's gone, now you're like, damn – like, this is actually really interesting. We might not go undefeated. Like, there's going to yeah, be some I questions. Think this is, I think this is the most mystery Alabama has entered a season with in a handful of years. It's Yeah, no doubt, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, they had Bryce Young. They had Mac Jones. They had Tua. They had Jalen Hurts. And since Jalen Hurts was a freshman, this is the most question marks they've had on offense, I would say, since then, 2017. So it, it's really exciting. But ultimately, yeah, I'm with you. I'm on the over. And bottom line, if you're a better and you want to bet against Nick Saban, that's your prerogative. But I personally would not do that, whether I was an LSU fan or whoever. I just, I'm not going to bet against Nick Saban. So I'm going to take the over. Hmm. All right. I'm trying to figure out who I want to start you off with. And we've said his name a couple of times. Uh, Lane Kiffin, the self-proclaimed portal king. Uh, (laughs) One of of my favorite coaches um, and a team that is always interesting, but never, they always kind of feel to me like they have this like defined ceiling as far as how good they're going to be. 
uh, particularly record-wise in this conference. So what do you think about them? Well, you should know that. Well, something I want to note about Ole Miss is kind of along the same lines as what we said about Texas. They were not quite as bad on defense last year as I thought they were. When I started to dig into the numbers and look, I mean, 25 points per game. Yeah, they were I was okay. expecting I was expecting a number in the low 30s when I pulled this up. And so it could yeah. have been a lot worse. It well, could you have probably been a lot watched better. them. Yeah, you probably watched them a bunch in 2020 when they were up in the upper 30s. Yeah. And so it, like they couldn't know, stop they, yeah. anybody. Yeah, they gave up 38 points a game that year. <gasps> and so I, I think <laughs> I think some of that just lingering sentiment is what kept us saying floor, you know, Ole Miss can't stop anybody. Yeah. So Ultimately, well, okay. but I mean, if if you're giving up 38 a game, you can't complain about the, how long it takes for the stink to wear off. Like, you know what I mean? That's true. <laughs> that is true. So, all right. So, digging into Ole Miss, the first question mark to everybody is quarterback Jackson Dart, who I think will still probably be the starter. They did bring in Spencer Sanders, a couple other guys. Ultimately. I think it's Jackson Dart's job to lose. That's just my opinion. I don't know that he's going to start, but if you look at his numbers versus Spencer Sanders' numbers, ultimately they're not all that dissimilar. They both have thrown double-digit interceptions as a mm-hmm. starter. And so whoever it has, they have under center or in the shotgun has got to protect the football a little better when they're throwing it. But it does help when you have the best running back in the country on your yeah. team. And, you know, last year we were we were so high on Zach Evans mm-hmm. when he transferred to Ole Miss. We thought, oh, Zach Evans, he's going to be a monster. No, Quinchon Judkins is the best running back in the country, and it's not close. This dude is an absolute, like, Adrian Peterson-type monster. And I think he's the most under-the-radar superstar, like, number one at a position in the sport. Would I be crazy to say that? Like, number one quarterback, Caleb Williams, number one pass rusher, whoever, number one wide receiver, whoever. I don't think a lot of people even know Quinchon Judkins. Uh, I think, I mean, you could be onto something because, you know, you say, oh, who's the best running back in the country? And a lot of people are going to, okay, well, you know, Blake Corum or, you know, who, whoever. I don't know that a ton of, you know, Singleton. Yeah, Travion Henderson from Ohio State. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's a discussion. I don't think he gets enough credit for for being probably the, the best running back in the country. I mean, they ran yeah, for like not. 250 he, he in a for- game last year. Yeah, he rushed for 1,500 yards plus 16 touchdowns, 5.7 a carry last year. <laughs> Just stupid. True and freshman, so, by the way, people. Yeah, yeah. as a true freshman, yes, by the way. So that helps Jackson Dart's case to take care of the football. Like, you know, just hand it to that dude a little bit more and let him do work. He might rush for 2,000 yards. But the reason that he can do that is because their offensive line was excellent last year and it's going to be excellent again so ultimately it's lane kiffin we don't really worry about whether they're going to score points or not but it you should know that judkins is the best in the country at what he does and their offensive line is going to be elite so all that being said on the offensive side of the ball they'll be fine they're going to score a shit ton of points just like they always do defensively like i say i'd they were not quite as bad last year as I thought they were. And the only real question mark on defense, I've got them getting staying as good or getting better everywhere but the back end. The defensive backs, you know, one starter back, bringing in five transfers. I, I don't know how that's going to pan out. Ultimately, they don't have a ton of elite passing teams on the schedule. So I would think eh, 
maybe that's okay. If the defensive backfield is a little bit suspect, they don't play a bunch of pass happy offenses outside of like Tulane. Right. Alabama, yeah, I was going to say, like, looking at their schedule, Tulane might be on their schedule, I think, one of the three like best passing teams. On- yeah. And uh, you you got to look at LSU. Jaden yep. Daniels is is what he is, but their wide receiver core is absolutely stupid. And yep. so that that's the kind of thing that'll have me pencil it in as a loss. Like LSU, I just don't think they'll be able to stop them, even though it's at home. So ultimately, with the schedule, this one it was really tough for me. But reluctantly, with 16 starters back and some pretty good transfers, the best running back in the country, I'm gonna lean to the over here just because I think they'll be able to stop and slow down people enough to win the important games. I have them penciled in for losses at Georgia, at Alabama, and then I have four question mark games, Texas A&M, at Auburn, Arkansas, and LSU. If they can get two out of those four, I like them to go over pretty easily. So we'll see what happens. But ultimately, I'm going to take the over on Ole Miss and the Portal King. Yeah, it was close for me, and I eventually settled on a reluctant under because oh. just of you know if the defense was okay, should be better, but probably if they are better, not by a lot. And it, they hired Pete Golding from Alabama, and he's switching them up. They're shifting from an even front to more of like a three-four look. Yeah, they did improve depth, but you know not everyone you have in a three-four-three uh, roster is gonna fit necessarily how you might want them to go into a three, four. So, you know, experience transfers, a lot of those are a group of five. And I think there's even an FCS guy could be better, but I don't know that. And there's enough ball security issues with either quarterback, whichever, you know, they can't just give it to Quinchon Jugkins 45 times a game. No, no, um, they're going to have to get better in the turnover department. I mean, that that's something that, like I said, that I highlighted, they were minus one in turnover margin last year. Right. So if they can get to plus five, plus six, plus seven this year, I like them to go over here. I just yeah. I think turnovers hurt them really bad last year. Right. And I don't, I'm not convinced that they can do that with those two guys. So yeah, I, yeah. you know, the, the line was excellent last year, like you said, and it's going to be good this year because it's the same guys, right? With four yeah. starters back. So they're going to rush yeah. for, 250-ish a game like they did last year. Oh, yeah. You can't get nothing out of your quarterbacks, and I don't I don't know that I trust either of them enough. So that... Well, I trust would, Jackson would, Dart more than I trust Spencer Sanders, and you can go on record. I mean, you know my uh, yeah, opinion. Of I Sanders do. If you're a dedicated listening, listener of this show. I am a dedicated listener, and I, I am aware <laughs> and have been for two years now. Um, <laughs> your opinion on Spencer Sanders. I just... Uh, the uncertainty of quarterback in terms of ball security and the schedule with you know Alabama, Georgia, LSU, those are three you know like top six teams. Um, you know, and even Tulane could be he a really really good team. So Auburn's a wild card. I just I just didn't like it enough to get him to an eighth win. Mm, Eric taking the under on a team that doesn't play great defense. Well, you should know that. Stunning. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's an excellent segue. Let's talk about a team that did not play great defense last year, partly due to injury, but however they got there, the end result was disgusting. And (laughs) Arkansas allowed 30.6 points per game. They got some pieces that I really, really like on offense, but can they get the defense fixed and go over six and a half wins? Over. I'm going to take the over. And this is another one of those that's reluctant. I'm going to just put it out there that I would not bet a ton of money on this. I would bet it, and I would bet a small 
amount of money. A responsible not, amount, if you yeah, will. Was, <laughs> correct. Not a degenerate level of betting here. <laughs> I would just take a respectable amount of money, whatever yeah, Bankroll management people. It's, it's yes, vital. Depending on your income, if you want to bet 20 bucks, if you want to bet 50, if you want to bet 100, I don't know what you make a year. Take a small amount and bet the over on Arkansas because ultimately they're going to run it down people's throats. That that it's going to happen. Like you said, they did have a ton of injuries on the defense last year. We actually saw that happen in the first mm-hmm. game of the season. I don't know if you were watching it, but I was watching the Cincinnati game last year. I, when, I watched parts of it. When two of their defensive backs went down in that yeah. game, one of them for the year, everything changed. Yeah, they're like four plays apart, too. Yeah. So they just, man, they had some brutal stretches last year. And they had some tough luck losses too, like lost to AM by two points. You know, they got blown out by Mississippi State, strangely enough. Yeah, I think they lost to LSU they, by a field goal. Yeah, the, a close loss to LSU by a field goal, in which KJ Jefferson did not play, by mm-hmm. the way. He was hurt. And so you take that, and then you have they they flopped and lost to Liberty, you know, that that kind of stuff. Lost to Hugh Freeze. So just some tough luck, kind of weird shit, bad injuries, just sort of a bad luck season. So ultimately with the roster, they don't have a ton of talent coming back. Like they, they lost a lot of people. They got 10 starters back total, but I like the quarterback. KJ Jefferson's a monster. He's going to do work and put up 24 to five on touchdown to interceptions. He takes care of the football. He's a tough runner. Love the dude. Typical prototypical, big running sec quarterback that you kind of like to see. Yeah, he's enormous. Uh, yeah, and then at running back, he's got a great compliment to to his running ability in Rocket Sanders, who is one of the better backs in the SEC. Also a big, monstrous 225-pound beast. Also a large human being. Yes. Also somebody you do not want to tackle on a regular basis. The receiving core, I've got that taking a bit of a step back. I, I don't think they'll be as good out wide, which is why I think they're going to – run the ball more. And I think their offensive line will be just as good as it was last year. I mean, it wasn't monumentally impressive or anything. They gave up 31 sacks, but they rushed for 237 a game last year. I feel I feel like that's what they're going to lean into. Now, defensively, yeah, they were abysmal last year. 170 yards on the ground. Average giving up 6.5 a play. But there are some positive notes on defense. They did lead the SEC in sacks which mm-hmm. I could not believe when I read. They had 42 fucking sacks last year. So I'm not sure what to make of that, but I like the defensive line to even get better this year. And so, and uh, Pittman's even talked about how much they've improved. So when I see they led the SEC in sacks and they're getting better, to me, that's a positive note. So I take all that and I look at the schedule. They should start 3-0, and no problem. I don't expect BYU to beat them bottom line. Then they go on the road to LSU, Texas A&M and Arlington, and back-to-back road games at Ole Miss at Bama. They could lose all four of those games. It's definitely possible that they that could happen to them. And if that happens, going over starts to get a little bit iffy. But if they can get even one of those games, I like them to get to the over because on the back end, you got Mississippi State at Florida, who we don't think is going to be very good. Auburn, a bit of a toss-up, and then they close with FIU and Mizzou, who I also don't think is going to be all that great. So I think it's an over, man, and it it ultimately comes down to that four-game stretch where you've got road trips at Ole Miss, at Bama, at LSU, and Texas A&M kind of on the road in Arlington. Mm -hmm. That's a brutal stretch, man, and if they go 0-4, they could absolutely hit the under. 
but I'm going to bet on Sam Pittman and say they hit the over. Uh, I'm on the over as well, even though that stretch that you talked about. I mean, they go a month without playing at home, right? Yeah. At, at LSU, new, neutral-ish site with A&M, at Old Miss, at Alabama. That's rough. But on the back end, they only have one road game, which is at Florida. Uh, I think if they can get a split between Missouri and Florida – then I see seven wins here, and I think they do that. So I'm going to back the pitmaster as well and say over. That four-game stretch, that's the most brutal one that I've found thus far in the SEC, for sure. <sighs> well, here's a team that has maybe not brutal stretches like that, but a brutal schedule, as always. Uh, Auburn oh, routinely yeah. has one of the country's toughest schedules because Georgia's their interdivisional opponent. So Hugh Freeze, he's worked hard to make over the roster. They look like they could be better. I, you know, they're going to need it. But what did, what do you think about them? Well, a couple of things that um, I need to point out first. Seventeen starters coming back is shocking to me. I was blown away that they were able to keep that many players from last year's team. I figured most of them would transfer out. Well, I think or, they get credit for guy transfers who started at their previous school. I believe this it's possible. also goes into I'm that not, I'm depending not sure on where you it. look. Yeah, it depends on where you look, but ultimately they've got, you know, a lot of starting experience from mm-hmm. last season. So that would point to they had somewhat of a young team, I guess. And so that's the first thing I noted was a ton of people coming back and that's good. Now, Hugh Freeze is in an entirely different universe of coaching ability than Brian Harson. That's the second thing I want to point out. This dude can coach his ass off and turn any team into a winner. And he can do so pretty quick. So all that being said, quarterback is a question mark. Robbie Ashford, Peyton Thorne, we don't know. My money would probably be on Ashford because he's a little bit more athletic. And Peyton Thorne didn't really do anything to wow me when he was at Michigan State. You know, the one year that they were really good, Kenneth Walker was the whole team, basically. Yeah, I really kind of feel like we need to retroactively give him that Heisman because things have not been the same since he he left when they won 11 games. Yeah, no, 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 no. So Robbie Ashford is not a great passer. It's just he's not very good. I don't know that Peyton Thorne's all that much better. We'll see. But ultimately, whoever starts, I think they'll improve out wide. I think they're going to be a little bit better, a little bit more experienced. I think Jarquez Hunter is a good running back. Had over six yards of carry last year. I think he'll be fine. I don't know that he'll carry the load, as it were. He's not a massive guy. He's not a 240-pound running back or anything. But he'll get the majority of the looks, I believe, at running back. So offensively, I think they'll be fine. They do lose some experience up front, but they brought in some transfers, added some depth. I think they'll be fine up front. I don't see, I'll put it this way, I don't see him giving up 32 sacks again. I think that number will get better, and they'll Mm -hmm. get back into the 20s or so, you know, kind of where they've been the last few seasons. But (sighs) defense, 173 yards a game on On the ground ground. last year. You know, you said before the season last year, if you could find a prop bet on over-under rushing yards allowed per game. Yep. I hope all of you took heed and bet on that because Eric was absolutely right. They were terrible against the run. You know, 4.6 yards of carry. Not great, Bob. Only 26 sacks a year ago. So I look at that and I go down and I look at each position and what they added, what they're bringing back. And I've got arrows pointing up in every category. So I think they're getting better across the entire defense. So I take all that and I look at the schedule. They should start 3-0. and mm-hmm. And then they've got a road game at Texas A&M, which is kind of a toss-up. We don't know what a and is going to look like. Ultimately, that could go either way. And then Georgia at home, I have a loss. 
at LSU, I have a loss. And then you've got Mississippi, Mississippi State. Both of those are winnable. We don't know. They're both at home. Auburn Jesus is a real thing, man. And I'm telling you, when this team gets any kind of momentum, especially in Jordan Hare, yeah. you look the fuck out because they, they will do some crazy shit. There'll be a tip pass that somebody will pick off and they'll take it for six and win as time expires. I've seen it time and time again. So take Hugh Freeze's ability, all the stuff they have coming back, the light back into their schedule minus Alabama. I mean, you finish with Mississippi State, Vandy at Arkansas, New Mexico State, Alabama at home. That's a pretty fucking light back into the schedule for an SEC team. It so, is. I mean, after after the LSU game, they get five, I think, winnable conference games before the Iron Bowl. So Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So all that being said, this is an easy over for me. I think they easily win seven games. I think their ceiling is probably eight or nine. Uh, mm. Nine would be like a miracle. Uh, eight would be a great season. But I think seven wins is going to happen. So I would bet that. I will bet on Hugh Freeze. I think he's going to turn it around really quick. By the end of this season, I think there'll be a team looking to next year that you do not want to fucking play. So, over. Yeah, I I mean, I'm on the over as well. I think they take a step forward. I like how much, maybe not necessarily what, but how much they're bringing back on defense, even though those guys do have to play better. And they gave up 29 and a half a game. And you talked about the rush yards. We had Cole Kublik on a couple months back, and, and I talked to him specifically about the run defense and he wasn't very happy with how they you know aligned and fit uh the run in a lot of those like the georgia game penn state ran all over him um he talked specifically about those so if they can get that worked out i think they have you know the big bodies and enough uh speed in the linebackers to be better against the run and i think the schedule is tough but it's got you know, like we said, five winnable games. I'm not saying they'll win all five of those, but you know, if they can get three of those and then the three gimmies up front, can they can they beat AM? Uh can they knock off one of the Mississippi schools? Can they you know well, the Iron Bowl goes? So I think they can get to seven. But it's it wasn't maybe as easy for me as it was for you. I think we were both in agreement that they're going to be better this year. And sure. I think we would both agree that their schedule is easier this year. And so yeah. it boils down to yeah, because you, you get Penn State to, out of your non-con. Then, yeah, and sure. so that boils down to, do you think they're going to be better than last year, and they have an easier schedule, and they have a better coach, and they have pretty much most of their team coming back, and they added some impactful players in the portal. So, mm-hmm. And they didn't recruit all that bad. Hugh Freeze did a good job securing what he could in that. So I, I like Auburn this year. I think they're a surprise team. And on top of that, I think there's a big element to this of those guys quit on Brian Harson last year. And we've talked about this with several teams in the past, like TCU, Gary Patterson. They turn around, they end up in the national championship next year. Not saying that's what's going to happen with Auburn here, but I don't think those guys wanted to play for Brian Harson. And I think they do want to play for a guy like Hugh Freeze. So ultimately, I think they're going to surprise some people and look the fuck out for Auburn. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. Speaking of surprising some people, if you're keeping score at home, we have one team left, and that is the defending SEC West champs who surprised a lot of people last year in Brian Kelly's first season. They won the West, and they're bringing back their starting quarterback, their top four running backs, a couple of receivers, four starters on the O-line, some really, really good players on the defense, and they are getting nine and a half. Tell me what I should do with my money. <sighs> this was the toughest one. 
for me. This team last year, it was a surprise, but th- God, they were, when I tell you that they were like six total plays. So outside of the Tennessee game where they got stroked, they were like six total plays from either being a seven and five team or yep. an 11 and one team. And so <laughs> it's hard for me to, when I look at stuff like that to just be like, oh my God, like what, what am I really looking at here? Mm-hmm. And so I, I look at it and I hear you. Offense is going to be stupid good. They bring back pretty much everybody of any consequence on their offense. They're going to be really fucking good. Jaden Jaden Daniels, they bring back all their running backs pretty much that had any kind of meaningful carries. Uh, their best receivers back, Malik Neighbors, he's a freak. He's going to be a you know consensus All-American, probably a first-round draft pick. So you take all that and you think, yeah, four starters back in the O-line, they're going to be fucking good up front. Now, they gave up 45 sacks last year. You kidding me? That's something that I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. 45 fucking sacks is a shit ton. That is going to have to get better. And if it doesn't, then I have my concerns about this team. It it does. That's an ugly number. That partly, I think, is a byproduct of the quarterback. Indeed. And so he he does tend to not pull the trigger and maybe try to extend a play, but hold the ball too long. He didn't do that 45 times either. No, (laughs) no. So. That that's the only real concern I have is up front. You know they do bring back four starters; they'll be fine, whatever. But uh, how's how's the pass protection going to look? We'll see. Because if if he's not getting protected, they're not going to be able to do much. So we'll see. But defensively, they're going to be fucking fantastic. I think they'll be elite. I think they'll be even better than the 22 points a game they gave up last year and the 29 sacks they had. I expect both of those numbers to improve. So I'm not going to go deep into the roster. All you need to know is they have NFL dudes all over the defense between Mason Smith, Harold Perkins, some cornerbacks. I mean, they're, they're going to put some dudes in the NFL over the next yeah. couple of years that are going to make Bingo. impact on NFL teams. Yeah, there you go. There's another. So defensively, they're going to be fine. They're going to f- be fucking ferocious. So bottom line is the schedule for me. Florida State. You're super high on them. I'm kind of like, eh, we'll see. It's in Orlando. It's pretty much a road game for LSU. That's not really neutral to me. So mm-hmm. we'll see how good Florida State is and how good LSU is right out of the gate. That game should tell us a lot about both teams. So then you've got Grambling at Mississippi State, Arkansas at Ole Miss. At worst, they should be three and one before the road trip to Ole Miss. So Ole Miss is kind of the first real toss-up game I have in conference for them. Yep. But then they get at Mizzou, Auburn at home, you know, lay up at Army before they're by and a road trip to Bama. Then you close the season with Florida, Georgia State, Texas A&M, who I think LSU will want to play hard in that game this year based on what I saw last year and that beatdown that they Mm -hmm. suffered at the hands of a bad A&M team. I don't think Brian Kelly lets that shit happen again, especially in Death Valley. So – ultimately I'm going to do what you did earlier and all the stuff I'm saying, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to take the under, but I would not bet my money on this. I think defensively they're going to be excellent, but the schedule has too many question marks for me to comfortably take it. Pretty much a road game at Florida state road game at Ole Miss road game at Bama, Texas A&M and Auburn, Arkansas. Those are all kind of losable games, I guess. So ultimately I'm going to take the under and say nine and three. But it would not shock me to see them go 11 and one, I guess. So I, I'm going to take the under, but I would not bet my money on it. 
Mm, I was torn on this. I, I guess you can tell by that pause that I just uh, pulled off. <laughs> I eventually settled on over uh, because I do like the offense enough to, if they get in a spot where they just have to outscore somebody like an Auburn, I think they can do it. The, you know, last year, and I was torn on them because I'm seeing so much, you know, LSU going to win the SEC. LSU is going to go to the playoff. LSU is going to do this. Oh, yeah. And they, and they, it seems like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe pump the brakes because, yeah, they got, they were super lucky last year. It's okay right, to say that, I think. Yeah. I don't want to say lucky, but there, there was some good fortune. I mean, bad luck in the Florida State game. That was a, a tough one, but, you know, he beat Alabama at home by one on the last play of the game. That doesn't like scream at me that you're the best team in this division based on that yeah. game. Right. They got absolutely melted at home <laughs> against Tennessee. Yeah. Right. Did. Georgia had their way with them. You know, that, you know, they fell behind in a bunch of games and, and to their credit, you know, came back and won them. But, you know, you just got to wonder if yeah, when was, you're down 17 nothing against a bad Auburn team. Right. That's one that even though you come back and win, you're going, what the fuck? Like, what are, what are these guys doing? Right. And does that so, tell me, does that tell me LSU's good or that Auburn's bad or yeah, both and, or neither or what? Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I I understand why someone would take the over, why you would take it. The talent is just it's it's almost too much to ignore. But yeah. I feel like they overachieved last year. And I if agree. they were to win the same amount of games this year, I don't feel like that would be an underachievement. Does that make sense? No, it does, because I think based on the way they won some of those games versus some of their losses, like you know, we talked about it before, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about it again next week. Um, Beamer ball. Um, you know, you can be a good or as good or better year to year and end up with a worse record just by how some of that stuff shakes out. But yeah, yeah. you know, some of those losses were so con- I mean, they got handled by Georgia. They were, it never felt like they were really in that game. Tennessee yeah. was up 10 nothing on them in like four and a half minutes. <laughs> and it's, yeah, so. You know, they, they won some tough games to their credit, but I I wonder if there was an element of, I don't know if mirage is the right word with last there year. There was some smoke. There was some smoke, for I sure. I mean, just a little bit, and they beat the right teams. I think they're going to be really good. I just, it, it wasn't very easy for me to just go, oh, yeah, they're going to win 10 games, uh, even though I think Brian Kelly's a fantastic coach, and he has a roster dripping with talent. Yeah, yeah, but we've seen that before. We've seen this story before with Brian Kelly, where he's got a roster dripping with talent and he falls short. So I just think, like I said, I think they overachieved last year. They got a little bit lucky, had some fortunate wins. They won the right games. They won some close, tough games, but in their losses, they got destroyed. And Mm -hmm. so until I see just another level of dominance, you know, like when take 2019 LSU, possibly the best college football team ever, right? They absolutely dominated everyone they played, minus Alabama, who they beat by five. Some of the LSU teams of the past, when Les Miles was the coach, they would just thump people. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that from this LSU team yet. They haven't just destroyed anybody to the point where you're like, oh, my God, LSU. Yeah, well, it's not, even, it's not even that for me. Like you, you don't need to go out there and go 15-0 and 0 and beat 10 teams by three touchdowns. Just don't yeah. get your doors blown off. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you know, if you lose a game, 
just make it competitive, like be in it at some point. Mm. Well, and, and that for me, they didn't do that last year. So I think they'll be very good, but I'm not buying into the LSU hype quite as much as a lot of people are. Yeah. But I am still taking is, the over. Ultimately, it's LSU. So it's probably going to be the opposite of what I bet, but we'll see what happens. So, well, yeah, I mean, you recap, hit on last year. Oh, okay. So recap us. I don't think we agreed on hardly anything. Uh, we had a couple in there. We both like Auburn over six and a half. We both like Alabama over 10 and a half, Mississippi State under six and a half, and Arkansas over six and a half. Okay. All right. So but, four. Yeah. Okay. So four All out right. of seven. Not four terrible. out of seven. It's better than I thought it was. Uh, we split on Old Miss seven and a half. I took under, you took over. Mm hmm. As we just said, I'm over nine and a half for LSU. You're on the under. And then last but not least, Texas A&M. I, against my better judgment, am taking over seven and a half for the Aggies. And you're on the under until you see Jimbo and Petrino make it through like a month of the season without fisticuffs. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I would say... With Bama's question marks, win totals aside, okay, just throw the win totals out the window. Is there just a clear, absolutely clear-cut best team in the West? No. No. And I think this is the first time in a long time where this that's the case because the, pretty much every year Alabama's the clear-cut best team in the West before the season. We think so. You know, right. And it's just not that way this year. We don't know. Is it going to be them? Is it going to be LSU? Is Texas A&M finally going to show the fuck up? Is Ole Miss going to take the next step and stop somebody on defense and do what they do? I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a wild season in the West. But if you were going to ask me who to bet on to win the West, I would just bet on Bama, just straight off statistics. You know, it's not a bad bet to bet on Nick Saban. No, I, I mean – It'd be almost kind of by default, I guess, but you know, yeah, when, when in doubt, back the goat. Yeah. Well, we got one more, Eric, one yep. more preview and that is it, man. So what are we doing next week outside of talking about the SEC West or East? Excuse me. So next week, uh, there's only a couple of games really even worth discussing, but next week is SEC East and week zero bets. And we may even get a little wild and crazy and maybe throw out some you know, bold predictions or some, some oh, other kind man. of topical, topical type. I love uh, some bold things. predictions. Yeah. Those are always fun, man. Like the, the 15 and 0 Ohio state prediction last year. <laughs> love well, that. Wasn't, love I mean, things. yeah, that wasn't that bold. I think they finished like 12 and two or 11 and two. Yeah. Something along those lines. And it had, I mean, I don't know. I still feel like had Marvin Harrison jr. Not gotten knocked out of that game. They win the national championship. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, that's uh, one of those things. Tough luck for them, but I don't feel yeah. bad about it because they I mean, play two, two tough teams a year. So. Yeah, it's, it's football, but it's tough rake. Oh, man. Speaking of players that uh, got injured or hurt or uh, in even worse in this case, uh, killed, uh, something we should have mentioned when we discussed Arkansas, should give a shout-out to uh, the family of Alex Collins. Former Arkansas running back was killed in a motorcycle accident. Uh, very unfortunate. I went and looked at his college numbers, Eric. Dude, that dude was a machine in college. Rushed for 1,500 yards one year and like 1,100 and 1,000 the two years before that. He had a great career 
at Arkansas and then spent some time between the Seattle Seahawks and Baltimore Ravens. And uh, he was killed in a motorcycle accident. So shout out to his family and uh, friends that uh, we hate to see going through that. But uh, and shout out to Arkansas Nation for also having to uh, for the loss of a, a former player and alumni. Yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit of a rough go there. So, all right. So that is going to wrap us up for this week. You can find us on social media at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 on Twitter. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. We'll be back next week talking about SEC East win totals, our final preview of the season. And we're going to kick it off with some week zero bets and some bold predictions. And then based on the current plan is for us to go still go to YouTube and start doing podcasts on YouTube. We will stream them live and just let them fire off, do a couple of episodes a week. They'll be coming at you Sunday nights and Tuesday nights. Correct, Eric? Either Sunday, Tuesday or Sunday, Wednesday. I don't know that we settled, but it'll be one of those two scenarios. Yeah, so you'll get them uh, on YouTube first, and then you'll get them on the podcast side probably a day or so later. But uh, ultimately, the goal is to do a recap on Sunday evening and uh, do our previews and bets on uh, in, in time for games, hopefully Wednesday night, uh, when you start getting some Wednesday night action or whatever have you. So um, we'll see what happens. But that's the current plan, and we'll get there when we get there. But until next week, catch you later on. Thank you very much. Have a great day.